and blast off. Hi, you're live at Radio City Music Hall. You're live with Rin and Tammy on I Love a Good Rabbit Hole. Hot damn, look at that. Because we do like 13 seconds in. Look at us. Okay. Well, yeah. I don't know what today's and- topic is. I do. Because okay, you messaged me and you're like, you're going to laugh your ass off. I'm like, I need some of it because what am I going to sit on? My thighs? <laughs> we need to discuss that message, though. Like, we can discuss you, that later. You That's business. You didn't finish telling me what that was all about because like, now I'm all excited. Well, I mean, we, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. We'll, we'll discuss to, it then. We will, discuss, we will discuss business after our okay. casting of pods. Your casting of pods. Uh, before we get into it, what are we having today? What are we having today? You know, um, people are going to think I'm nuts. <laughs> like, I'm like, people are going to be like, wow, she really likes peach. Cause I was every- say, it's a peach drink, huh? <laughs> yeah, it is. But it was really, it was the only one that was cold in the fridge. So I was like, mm, well, peach okay. it is. So today is Celsius uh, Peach Vibe. Sparkling right. white peach edition. I do. I love white peaches. I like love white are in, peaches. They oh are so good. God, if they're in season and they're just there and they fall off the pit, they're just like mm-hmm. just suck that bad boy into my face. So that splooged on me. <laughs> bitch. Like, like all over my shirt. Bad peach. Oh, there are so many things. So many things. So many things. But did you see, this is like a random tangent, which people who have listened to us for long enough should know that we tangent a feckin' lot. We don't tangent, we babble. Okay. Um, did you see my Instagram post last night? I'm going to take that as a no. So I Ashton's, feel like I did, but I didn't. A puppy. Ashton, yes. Yeah, Ashton's friend brought his puppy over. She's just barely 10 weeks old, I think. She's a pity. I saw that nose. Oh my God, her name's Fiona, and she was the sweetest baby ever. Pity noses, they just, they melt my heart. Because like, the way that their whole snout is, is just so like, nuzzly. Yeah, oh, she was a snuggler. Like oh, Humphrey and um, Sydney, they both have very pointed schnozzles mm-hmm. because both of them have, like Humphrey has Dachshund schnoz and Sydney has German Shepherd schnoz. So both mm-hmm. of them have pointy like beaks, so to speak. Yeah. But like pities, oh my gosh, they just have like, they have soft rounded muzzles yeah. where like it's just like nuzzle 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 and you just want to nuzzle 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 oh it's so cute yeah she was precious i was yeah, like I, cute. I, w- I was holding on to her i was like baby doesn't she look so pretty with me and matt's like no i was like but she wants to stay and be mine he's like <laughs> you're no. like my puppy, my puppy. <laughs> but but i'm holding her and looking she did that whole i want to lay my head like she did the puppy cuddle where she shoves her head between your neck and your shoulder like it as if she was in a puppy pile you know how they're constantly like jockeying to get like snuggled really right and tight. then you're like you don't know where one puppy begins and another one ends she was totally doing that Aww. like just right up in my neck i was like baby he's like no <laughs> but i need a puppy but i need her when i do get my dog i'm i'm hoping it will possibly be a pity but 
you do need a dog. It's time. You yeah. need your own. Well, it's not, I'm not getting it just for, to have a dog. She, he, he, she, it. Them. <laughs> be, uh, she's going to be a registered service animal with the ADA. So. Why are you getting a service dog? Um, because my anxiety, especially being in general public, is a lot worse than it really ever has been before. Um, my generalized depression and the fact that I'm pretty much always afraid being out in crowds that something's going to happen and I'm going to have to kill someone. That would be a good reason to get a dog. Yeah. You could also try the therapy that I'm on. Yeah, no, that's, that's not a good therapy for Tammy. <laughs> That's actually no, um, but I yeah, mean, she. Fun. I want to be able to take it to restaurants with me. I want to be able to take it to work with me. I want to be able to fly with it. I want. She will go everywhere. So with you need me. more than an emotional support dog. You need a service yes. animal. Yeah, exactly, and that's why I put it that way. I don't want like Kuma is an emotional support dog. Jules and Matt have him and Shadow both registered for their depression whatever i don't want an emotional support animal i want a service animal <laughs> emotional support dogs are so sweet i mean i think that's a really great thing for people who need that and that's that's very amicable service dogs are very important and are a huge need in this world and i think they are amazing animals and i've seen a lot of the things that they can do on tiktok like the ones that can like alert for like heart things and can like mm -hmm. detect for like food allergens and stuff mm -hmm. like that like it's phenomenal the things that those dogs can do so they're very important dogs i mean that's not to say that emotional support animals are any less but i mean you can have an emotional support some flamingo so yeah just saying yeah. although it'd be and cool to have an emotional support flamingo <laughs> I know. And Jules said something. She's like, well, we already have um, the two animals and that's the most that the landlord will allow. I was like, legally, he has to allow it. She's like, well, they legally have to allow Kuma and Shadow. I was like, no, those are emotional support animals. You can have up to a certain amount of those. This is a service animal. It's going to be trained as a service animal. Right. Therefore, he cannot tell me I cannot have it. Right. He's We're going to have to get rid of either the dog or the cat. Right, or one it's, of the kids. A, a, a service animal <laughs> is not a pet. No, it is a um, working it is, animal. It is what is the? It is a medical necessity. It is no different than say somebody's wheelchair or somebody's medication. Yeah, it is and no different. I'd be fine with an emotional support animal. I mean, I, Kuma really is actually good. I mean, he is extremely stubborn. He's a Shiba Inu, so he is very tenacious. And but they don't um, go through the same. They don't go through training. No, he he did not go through training, but he definitely knows when there's something wrong with yeah. the family. I mean, he's smart like other animals, you know, just like any other animals. Like, oh, mom or dad isn't feeling good, so maybe I need snuggles. Kuma's actually really good. Like he'll he knows that I'm having a bad anxiety day before I even know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, but speaking of animals, it kind of seg segues into. For a second, I thought you were going to say sex ways. No, segue. I did fumble a little bit. Yeah, but I don't want to talk about animals and sex. No, 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 no. We're not doing that. Although that does make me think of the song by, um, oh God, they did uh, One Fierce Beer Coaster. 
The Bloodhound Gang? Yeah, you and mm. me, baby, ain't nothing ain't but, but animals. Let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. Sorry. Like, okay. Anyway. It wasn't a movie quote. Like it, it wasn't. But we are going to segue into something to do with animals. So there's no trigger warnings or anything like that because, well, it, it might be. Um, no animals. Like happy like, triggers? Two animals were harmed, but it's not in a bad way. You're, we have to get into this to know. So today we're <laughs> talking about assisting in relocation with wildlife. So I was thinking earlier this week what I wanted this week's podcast to be. And I was talking to a co-worker and she informed me of a story that I needed to share with you. There are lots of puns that are coming and okay. let's just get this out of the way. If they'd have done it with ducks, I'd have been laughing even harder. Oh, but they did it with beavers. Okay, yeah. I'm just going to say right now, where the Here hell did they come up with the term beaver for women's vagina? I don't know. But like I said, there's a lot of puns coming. Now you know why. Okay. <laughs> okay. Did they so get their beavers gonna... in a row? <laughs> no. No, no, no. But their beavers did go up in an airplane. There are too many beavers on this. I'm sm I am motherfucking tired of these motherfucking beavers on a motherfucking plane. Sorry, Heather. Heather. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we are going to go back to the year 1948. The mid-1900s. Yeah. Um, it, it's before 1950, so technically it would still be the early 1900s. True. Oh, God, I want to punch myself in the tit for saying that. Okay, so this is... From the scientificamerican.com. Sometime in the late 1940s, a very patient elderly beaver called Geronimo was put in a box, flown to an altitude. I know you're already wanting to start. I'm only two sentences in. <laughs> okay. So he was flown to an altitude of between 150 and 200 meters and tossed out the side of an aeroplane. Who eats a beaver? <laughs> who eats a beaver? I'm going to tell you who. The Idaho Department of Fish and Wildlife. That's who. Over and over again. He didn't know it at the time because, you know, beavers. But each time Geronimo survived the trip back down to that little flying field in Ohio, he was bringing one of the nuttiest solutions to wildlife relocation ever dreamed up closer to reality was are he, you intrigued did, did they name him geronimo because they were eating him yeah what the yeah. <laughs> idaho okay so it was 1948 just after the end of world war ii and people were beginning to seek out new homes in the town of mccall and around payette lake in idaho and in the process kind of moved into where these beavers had been doing their things for decades, centuries even, and beavers became the problem. Beavers are never a problem. I so know. every man yeah. everywhere. <laughs> Fucking Idaho, man. Sorry, Idaho. Okay. The clash between the beavers in their abundance and new locals resulted in a whole lot of damage to irrigation systems, orchards and other kinds of farming efforts. So the fish and game department staff were tasked with transplanting the beavers to a more suitable habitat. How about we transplant the humans to a more suitable habitat? The beavers were there first, damn it. I mean, we've been relocating people for as long as we can remember. Hello, right? Native Americans. It's, 
Uh, uh, well, I wasn't going to say it, but... I mean, at least we weren't eating <laughs> Native Americans out airplanes. That we know of. I mean, oh my God. Know. And name them Geronimo. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. So, um... They said it was cool because past experience had shown that transplanted beavers were great at setting up new colonies, multiplying, and providing valuable environmental services such as storing water, reducing the risk of flash floods and erosion, and improving the habitat of other mammals, fish, waterfowl, and plants in the area. The only problem was the actual transplanting process. So, again, I have to ask. Why not just move the humans? Did they strap like, like a little parachute to the box? Uh-huh. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um in Idaho, the various mountains, heavily forested landscape. So let's let's just pause there for a half a second. Bryn, you've been to Idaho. Once or twice, unfortunately. I've been to Idaho. It's kind of lots of people have been to Idaho. It's, it's kind of flat. It, yeah, it's, it's flat AF. There is no mountainous range in Idaho. It's flat. Yeah, it's Their not. Their mountains are molehills. Like that's the other side of the Blue Mountains. Like yeah. the Blue Mountains is the hilliest part. Yeah, yeah, it's flat. Yeah, it's. I mean, before the Rocky Mountains, not during. Yeah, exactly. I mean, geography so, anyway. not my strong point, but. It's not mine either, but I've seen enough of Idaho to know I call bullshit on that. Like Google Maps, bro. <laughs> right. Um, so let's see. The lack of roads, that's 100% true, made beaver transplant a difficult and convoluted process. Idaho Fishing Game Department described first the targeted beavers would be packed into boxes and spent days strapped to a horse or a mule enduring the heat, dust, bumps, and general lack of breathing space on their way home of a designated conservation officer. So they transported them to a conservation officer's house first. Oh my God. This is the way, this is the way they used to do it. You know what I'm literally visualizing in my head? Like I can a only little imagine. beaver with like a hat on <laughs> and the little hobo sack with his <laughs> just walking along, being homeless. Gotta go, guys. Well, like I yeah, think I've, seen, when- I've seen that drawing. I've literally seen that drawing. <laughs> like I think I can Google homeless beaver, and that's what's going to pop up. Uh, oh my god! I don't even want to imagine what's going to happen if you. <laughs> I can imagine the picture you get off of that. <laughs> Here's the homeless. You're doing it right now, aren't you? You better believe, you better believe your beaver. <laughs> I knew this was going to be a good podcast. <laughs> Homeless Beaverton, Oregon is what auto populates. <laughs> Oregon. Uh, Oregon. Yep. Yep. Your face right there. That's the first picture. <laughs> we'll build for food. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm saving that picture because that's going to be on Insta. Okay. That's going to that's gonna be the, the post for our next, when yep. this podcast comes up, that's going to be the picture. Okay. So by the time they'd arrived, it'd be almost dark. So they'd have to spend the night with a strange conservation officer they just met. I mean, I, I'd get scared to hang out with a strange officer that I just met all night. 
Yeah. I mean, I I keep my beaver in a box. Right? (laughs) Parachute and all. Um, In the morning, the beavers would be loaded into the conservation officer's truck and transported to the end of the road, where they'd be forced onto another pack horse for the long journey to their final destination. Understandably, throughout the whole ordeal, beavers get, and I, I need to look this word up, but they said stroppy. Stroppy was the word they used. I'm guessing that's like frustrated, tired. Man, my beaver is stroppy. Angry. (laughs) Um, The horse's delicate senses were uh, obviously offended by the beavers and the conservation officer risked a good old fashioned mauling. I'm sorry, but if a horse is going to tell me that my beaver smells, I'm going to kick him in his mouth. No shit. My (laughs) beaver smells just like a beaver. It's a beaver. It smells... Um, Okay, so they needed a faster, cheaper, and more humane way of getting these beavers from A to B. And the solution they came up with? Planes. A surplus World War II... Oh, planes and surplus World War II parachutes. And here's where our friend Geronimo makes his greatest contribution to science. Okay, I gotta ask you, how do you spell stroppy? Because every time I put in stroppy, it's spelling strappy. S-T-R-O-P-P-Y. Stroppy. Bad-tempered and argumentative. Dude, you better believe my beaver's getting bad-tempered. You, <laughs> Hell yeah. Especially if you tell me my beaver smells bad. Right? You, you're going to put me on a horse for two days, leave me at somebody's house that I don't know overnight, and you're going to expect my beaver to be unsmelly and happy? Go fuck yourself. Exactly. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Tons of puns. Okay. He was, okay, so let's see, Geronimo. He was sent to his own little piece of paradise with three lovely beavers. Thanks to Geronimo, 76 beavers were successfully transported during the fall of 1948. Was there 76 trombones involved too? (laughs) Well, what is it? They say that once you, like in the Muslim faith, once you die, you get, oh, it's 90 something virgins. I thought it was like 99. Or is it just 90? Or was it nine? I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's not 76. I can tell you that. I'm not a virgin, anyway. so. Um, <laughs> me neither. <laughs> okay. Well, we just disclose um, that information to our cat, to our <laughs> audience. Hi. <laughs> okay. So during the fall of 1948, the boxes, the fish and game officers used to carry two live beavers each, and they were heavy enough to deploy the parachute immediately, but light enough to end the trip with a gentle landing. How the weight of the boxes kept them shut on their way down to earth, but the beavers were able to easily crawl out once they landed in their new home. One of a selection of small open meadows dotted with streams. These new habitats were part of what's now considered to be the largest protected roadless forest in in the lower 48 states. Spit it so out. these were like so, self-deploying parachutes and self-opening boxes? Uh, yeah, so they would push, like whoever was in charge of it would push the beavers out of the airplanes and the parachutes would automatically deploy. I know, it sounds funny. And then <laughs> it would shove your them beaver out the plane. <laughs> in a box with a parachute. Right. Um, so yeah, the parachutes would help guide them down to the ground and then once when they were on the ground, the cages would open and the beavers... We're in their new habitat. So, yeah. Um, There was 
one casualty out of the 76 that they dropped. So 75 made it safely. So that was Geronimo? No? Geronimo? Uh, no. No, no, no. It wasn't Geronimo. No, that there was, was Geronimo. Yeah, that was Geronimo. Geronimo's brother. Yeah. Who survived. The, le- the lesser <laughs> brother. The lesser brother. Um, so the linen lashings that kept its box together in midair broke, and the curious beaver managed to nose its way out and climb on top. Even so, he had, <laughs> had he stayed where he was, all would be well. But for some inexplicable reason, when the box was within about 75 feet of the ground, he jumped or fell from the box and perished. So, yeah. One beaver. Freaking beaver. At a s- he <laughs> stayed in his freaking box. Like, could you imagine how terrified? He's like, <laughs> what the fuck? What am I doing? Yeah. How did I get here? It's like not when pigs fly, but when beavers fly. Oh, there you go. Oh my God, that's <laughs> yeah. terrifying. I would have been one scared beaver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently he was, and he either fell or, or jumped, and he didn't make it. Poor beaver. Yeah. So the following year, the team revisited their transplanted beavers and found that they had built dams and houses, bred and stored food for themselves. The cost of transplanting them was way down when they were strapped to horses and driven around by conservation officers. Just $30 for four beavers. (laughs) I know it sounds like a Sarah McLaughlin ASPCA commercial (laughs) for just $40 per beaver. You too can can yeet a beaver out of plane. I would pay forty dollars to yeet a beaver. Be like, shut up and take. I need, I need a t shirt that says "Yeet Beavers." <laughs> oh my god! If when we make merch, that's our first shirt. Yeet Beavers. Yeet Beavers. Love a good rabbit hole. Yeet Beavers. <laughs> I can't. Okay. She's going to box with like the tiniest effing parachute. And it just says yeet beavers. <laughs> it just says yeet beavers on it. <laughs> I told you there'd be lots of puns oh in this episode. God, okay. So just $30 for four beavers, which they say equates to about $294 a today. Damn, that's an expensive um, beaver. Right? <laughs> Most men would think the same way. If the parachutes were collected and returned, the cost would be halved. So apparently the uh, parachutes were more expensive than the beavers. How do you put a price on a beaver's life? Uh, apparently you say return the parachute and we'll give you half back. I don't know. <laughs> so like if you like found a parachute, you'd be like, hey man. I found this parachute. No beaver, but here's the parachute. <laughs> here's the parachute. So I guess technically doing it this way, if you found the parachute and could get it back, it was like $15 per beaver. I mean, I guess that's a fair price. Yeah, I think so. To move beavers. But anyway, so yeah, that that um, was the story of the Idaho. It's called the Idaho Beaver Drop. By the way, there are actually a couple of videos of it on YouTube where you can see them actually like getting the parachute and like some some of the beavers, I guess, needed to be helped out of their cages. Um, So there was people on the ground that were helping, you know. Oh, Idaho. 
Yeah. You know what's really funny is like, what if? So here they go and they they move the beavers to this like new area because where they had because the area that they had were moving the beavers from was like this great area that they wanted to like move things into. But then when they moved the beavers, the area that they like renovated or whatever ended up flooding because they moved the beavers away. <laughs> right? Exactly. Well, I mean, Payette, Idaho has flooded a couple of times. Um, I've been there. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so that was the 1948 Idaho beaver drop, that. which was the number one way. Well, actually, let's let's put it number two on the list of ways to move wildlife to relocate them. Which again, I'm I'm one of those people like uh, wildlife was here first, and the humans are the invading species. So I just I, I'm not saying I'm just saying I just I I, I just. I mean, the lengths that humanity will go to, to, they will pay $40 a beaver. <laughs> yes. I just, okay. all right. So that was funny story number one. Are you ready for funny story number two? Because this one comes from Oregon. Apparently the Pacific Northwest really knows how to deal with relocating animals. All right. Tell me about this. This one, I'm, I'm just going to forewarn you, is... <laughs> <laughs> i've designed it it's perfect it needs, it i need needs it. no more work okay Flawless. um this we're, we're gonna proceed this one with it was already dead so let's just let's so get they moved clear. a dead animal all right oh uh, yeah i guess you could say so <laughs> you could say that oregon florence 1970 <laughs> the year my sister was born this comes to us from Wikipedia, but anybody who is anybody in the Pacific Northwest that could be our age should and probably do know this story. It's about a whale. It's about a of whale. <laughs> On November 9th, 1970, a 45-foot-long sperm whale washed ashore at Florence and the Central Oregon coast. So let's just giggle right now. We went from Beavers to sperm whales. We went from beavers to sperm. Are we getting pregnant? <laughs> there it is. I mean. We use protection. Okay. okay. Well, yeah, we had a parachute. <laughs> the weight of the carcass was estimated at eight short tons, which is approximately 16,000 pounds or 7,300 kilograms. At the time, Oregon beaches were under the jurisdiction of the state's highway division, which after consulting with the United States Navy, decided to remove the whale using none other than dynamite. Assuming that the resulting pieces would be small enough to scavenge for scavenger animals to consume. This is what happens when you consult with the Navy. They're like, you have an obstacle? Let's blow it up. I, I think they should have just <laughs> torpedoed it something i mean isn't that what they did to the that one ship what was the name of the ship i don't remember the name yeah. of it, the ship that ran aground because the guy was drunk yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And and a to a beach. i mean it's a it's a beach oregon's kind of confusing our coastline is one of the deadliest it's in a the jacked world. up coastline it's a jacked up coastline it's beautiful but it's fucked up okay so um george thornton 
The engineer in charge of the operation told an interviewer that he was not sure how much dynamite would be needed, saying he had been chosen to remove the whale because his supervisor had gone hunting. A charge of one half short ton or 450 kilograms of dynamite was selected. A military veteran with explosives training who happened to be in the area warned that planned 20 cases of dynamite was far too much and that 20 sticks or 8.4 pounds would have sufficed, but his advice went unheeded. Because the military is like, hold my beer, watch this. I mean, I would have trusted the (laughs) explosives expert, but maybe they were, see... Like, I mean, I would assume that there are already people that were consulted that, like, knew about dynamites in, like, breaking rock and stuff for, like, railroads and things like that. But I would assume that whale blubber has a different consistency than, say, the side of a mountain. Yes. Yes, it does. But now whether it absorbs the blow up or if it just... It did not. It did not (laughs) (laughs) So how far was whale blubber shot? Always. The dynamite was detonated on November 12th at 3.45 p.m. The resulting explosion was caught on film by cameraman Doug Brazil for a story reported by news reporter Paul Lineman of KATU-TV in Portland. In his voiceover... Lineman joked that, quote-unquote, landlubber newsmen became lamblubber newsmen for the blasted, for the blast, blasted blubber beyond all believable bounds. I think Wikipedia did that on purpose to me. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure when somebody edited that, they put that in there just to be a jackass. Sally sells seashells by the seashore, but with blubber. Um. So the explosion caused a large piece of blubber to land near buildings and in parking lots some distance away from the beach. Only some of the whale, excuse me, was disintegrated. Most of it remained on the beach for the Oregon Highway Division workers to clear away. In his report, Lineman also noted that scavenger birds who had been hopped who it had been hoped would eat the remains of the carcass after the explosion, but did not appear as they were possibly scared away by the noise. The explosives expert, veteran's brand new automobile purchased during a get a whale deal promotion in a nearby city was flattened by a chunk of blubber. There was a chunk of blubber so big it destroyed a car. His brand new car. So the dude that said don't use that much dynamite, his car was destroyed by blubber. How is that for irony? It it didn't destroy (laughs) it. It just blew it apart. The whale? Yes. Yeah, it blew huge chunks. Did they just put the dynamite, like the huge amount, in the middle of of the whale? I, I don't know where they placed it. It doesn't say. They just, I mean, 24 cases. So I'm guessing that they kind of like packed it tightly around the whale in several different spots. It sounds like it, they thing, did put it all in the middle and it just blew the whole thing apart. They literally were cleaning whale parts as far as almost 100 miles away. Like, 
that's the amount of this explosion. This thing was huge. And you can, again, this is another one that you can go on YouTube and watch. Just type in 1970 Oregon whale explosion. And you can actually see and hear the cameraman's reaction. They're going like, what the hell? It left a crater on the Florence beach. It was a massive hole. <laughs> Is the hole still there? Like today? No. Did it finally, no, no, did no. it finally like, I mean, I would assume that a hole like that would have reshaped the beach some. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you can still go to the area where the whale was, but the I assume there's a no plaque there, there to commemorate Oregon's well, stupidity. God, I hope so. Like, Oregon, don't forget how dumb we were thinking I mean, that we could do this. I mean, the United um, States likes to commemorate all kinds of stupid things. I mean, <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> we got some plaques for some dumb stuff. <laughs> and this, this was definitely one of them. So ending his his story, Lineman noted that it might be concluded that should a whale ever be washed ashore in Lane County again, those in charge will not only remember what to do, they'll certainly remember what not to do. When 41 sperm whales beached nearby in 1979, 41? yeah, 41, state parks officials burned and buried them, which is definitely the smarter way to do it. Later that day, Thornton told the Eugene Register Guard it went just exactly right, except the blast funneled a hole in the sand under the whale, and that some of the whale chunks were subsequently blown back towards the onlookers and their cars. Thornton was promoted to the Medford office several months later after the incident and served in that post until his retirement. When linemen contacted him, in the mid-1990s, the newsman said Thornton felt the operation had been an overall success and had been converted into a public relations disaster by hostile media reports. Currently, Oregon State Parks Department policy is to bury whale carcasses where they land. If the sand is not deep enough, they relocate it to another beach. I thought they would like use a tugboat and pull it back out to the ocean and just let it sink. That could work too. I don't know, but you I mean, know, it shows how much I know about whale carcass, whale bodies. Yeah, no idea. I mean, <laughs> but because that's kind of what we, they did with part of the the ship that landed on. They pulled they because it broke apart, and they pulled it what they could out, and then they did target practice on it with with missiles or not missiles. Yeah, what are they called yes. when they're underwater? Are they missiles? Torpedoes. Torpedoes. Thank you. They're not missiles. Missiles are in the air. Torpedoes are underwater. Yeah, but didn't they fire um, one from up top? I thought they did. I don't remember. But I just remember that happening. Yeah. I I remember it happening, too, because I have pictures from the bow of the ship that sunk the freighter that had run aground. I cannot tell you where I got those pictures from. Because you weren't supposed to go there? Was it supposed to go where? Were you not supposed to go and see that ship? Um, no. A friend of mine got pictures. Do you remember one hour photos? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ritz Camera Center. It doesn't, yeah. The company doesn't exist anymore. No. That was such a great job. So then, that was a weird job. So then, can I say that I got them from yeah. you who copied them illegally? I mean,. I think there's a statute of limitations on stealing photos from a, a company that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Okay. Well, then we're in the clear. I totally got them from you. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. 
I still have them in my photo I think album. I might still have them. I have a lot of photos. Yeah. Back when I, I worked at One Hour Photo. Be- that was fun. Because of you, I have a lot of photos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a fun job. Yeah. I did a lot of inappropriate things at that job. Well, early 20s, Portland, early 2000s. Yeah. Young and dumb. Sounds about right. <laughs> Young, dumb, and broke. God, I love that song. But yet I always seem to have money. Hmm. I mean, like, I, I didn't have any debt. So, like, I didn't have any, like, major bills or anything. So, like, I always, I went shopping when I had my paycheck and, you know, never made food at home. You made food at home all the time. That's when I was, you know, when, like, we lived with Kimmy and, and Spring and everybody. Yeah, and even when we moved to the nicer apartment on Millican Way, you were still cooking. Yeah, then, but that that was when I was in my mid-twenties. Early twenties, like 21. Uh, That's when I was stupid. <laughs> really stupid. Yeah. Smack dab in the middle of the raver days. <sighs> Good times. Fatty fresh beets, yo. Yeah. I still have my... Uh, tea party lanyard too Uh, yeah i have my sailor moon box full of all of my my lanyards from all the parties i worked at i actually showed addy them oh not a couple years ago she's like what are all these and i'm like don't ask don't ask because you don't you're not old enough to know yet but guess what your mama was a freak yeah (laughs) she still is just a little bit i mean look at the look at the hair wouldn't i wouldn't trade you for anything in the whole wide world my hair but anyway those those were my two stories of relocation of animals. The, yeah. the beaver yeet and the exploding whale. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to be the name. If we ever get so big that we do a book, that's what it's going to well, be our, called. The beaver yeet and the exploding no, whale. No. I mean, but like our first shirt is definitely going to be yeet beavers. Our first shirt is going to yes. have that. It's going to have yeet beavers. Like we've got to make that shirt. It's the best shirt ever. Yes. It's just going to have a little like ramshackle box, like wooden crate on it with a tiny little parachute. It's going to yeah. say Yeet Beavers. And it's going to have like beavers in like a really pretty girly ass font and Yeet and some <laughs> jacked up freaking spray paint font. Not sp- Make it look like graffiti. Graffiti, not spray paint. I'm like spray paint font. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> I speak good. I speak good English. <laughs> He no talking good like you and yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so I'm so linguistically inclined. It's not even funny. So, that's well, that times. that was good times. I enjoyed those stories. They were funny. <laughs> Lots of puns. So, oh my god, so many puns. I mean, I tried looking for like other relocation stories that were pretty funny, but those were seriously the only two that I could find. I think after that, people started getting smarter. About how to relocate, how to relocate animal. animals. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, the, the yeeting beavers was borderline burr rabbit and burr, burr bear. Like, <laughs> it was right there on the yeah, line. I was like... <laughs> like, just a little bit, like, throwing things down into a briar patch. <laughs> mm. All right. Yeah. Well... Thanks for joining us today in the rabbit hole. Hop in next week when we tumble down again. If you want, you can follow us on Instagram to see what stories are coming up. Our name is Like Rabbit Holes. If you have an idea and want us to research us, want us to research, email us like rabbitholes at gmail.com. Whatever pat, pat, clap, 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 clap,
Whatever podcast player you listen to us on, please drop us a review or star rating. Always remember to have a wonderful morning, night, or afternoon. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. Yes.